Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. God, you are you are turning into old man. Next thing you know, you're going to be talking inflation. Do you remember when a, a loaf of bread was 25p? Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast, hosted by me, Josh Gersler, a chartered financial planner and owner of The Ultra Practice, and co-hosted by Mark Schoffman, a personal finance journalist. We're here to simplify all things personal finance and money related, in the hope that you will be able to learn one small thing each episode which helps improve your life and have some fun whilst you listen to us. I'm very much into the swing of things in 2023 now. We're trying something new this year at The Ultra Practice, which is holding all up annual planning meetings at the start of the year so usually they're just spread out throughout the year to suit us or our clients we've moved them all to the first quarter of the calendar year so q1 2023 or the last quarter of the tax year so q4 22 23 the idea is um, it should be a more efficient process and then free us up the rest of the year to focus on all the other good things we do if you are listening to this and you've not left us a review please do so It lets us know that you're enjoying what you hear and gives us the motivation to carry on putting content out there for you. So, in for a penny, listeners, I give you the latest episode. Hello, Josh. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Good. I feel like there's a race on this podcast now because we haven't really decided who starts and finishes. And I don't know if if other more professional podcasts actually script this sort of thing so we know who's going to do the intro. And also, you have your... Um, snazzy intro you do for each episode. Well, one of us has got to be professional. One of you has to be professional. Yeah, one of us. It can be. I'm happy for it to be you. There you go. What's been happening? What has been happening in my life? Um, let that sounded think- like that song. It's my life. <laughs> it's my life. Who sings that? Who sings that? Um, no, sorry. My musical knowledge is um, appalling. Appalling. Well, we were listening to. Um, music from a charts today with our daughter, with our eldest daughter Isabel, who's yeah. te- ten. Is she? Yes, yeah, she's ten. And um, I think that's one. You know, there are lots of times now where you kind of feel old, and that was one of the times where I just felt too old to appreciate modern day music. Well, you look it it just, as well. I do. Well, that's just a tiredness and the stress of running your own business under a Tory government. Sorry, oh, other parties. Oh, oh, he's gone there already. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, what don't you like about the uh, the Conservatives? The Tory government. No, I think uh, they're not proper Conservatives anymore. They're right wing zealots who've <laughs> um, um, sold the country out to Brexiteers and they're what they're kind of following political dogma rather than the true kind of values of entrepreneurialism and, and supporting people and, and families. They're just they're so they've got this one policy that they'll pursue now for no without worrying about the consequences have I gone all Dalek-y? you got a little bit Dalek-y but that's fine because you sort of went off on a robotic model a robotic anyway. yeah. so um, are you are you normally seeing as you've gone there very early uh, on are you normally conservative no I'm normally floating um, you're I was a floater floater so, well yeah. just pull your mic in and out because we don't want to lose you for the whole uh, the whole thing is that better now no, you've you've turned it off. It just, you know you're just coming through the other speaker. What about now? You, well, you're on the mic again, so we'll see. How Can we you go. hear me? So you're a floater. 
I'm a floater. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not kind of um, particularly partisan usually, but I think in recent years it's just gone gone a bit crazy. But then I don't really think Labour offer much of an alternative at the moment, anyway. So hey, your sound is terrible through your mic. You might you might just want to unplug it. I'm abandoning the mic, and um, so I didn't want to talk about um, politics on this. No, you want to talk about pop music? Yeah, or pop music. Yeah, well, basically, yeah, modern day. I don't understand, and I remember. Um, do you remember young. when Rock was young? I remember when Rock was young. And Susie... You and her had a lot of fun, didn't you? Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, but I remember being younger and listening to music and thinking, well, why would this ever go out of date and why would I ever move from something like Radio 1 to Radio 2? And all, I always wondered why there, were more than, there was more than one BBC radio station for music. And now I understand, because as you get older, your tastes obviously change. So is this the, the first listener. time you've listened to pop music in like no, 10 years first, or so? Um, no, this is just the first time we've talked about it on this podcast. If you'd asked okay. me about this off air, I probably would have said the same. But do you, you get your do your kids like some of the songs that yes. we liked when we were younger? Uh yes, yeah, some of them. But they also like a lot of the these kind of grimy songs where there's no real tune or no one playing an instrument. God, you are you are telling yeah. yourself, man. Next thing you know, you're gonna be talking inflation. Do you remember when a, a loaf of bread was twenty five P? Well we've done that podcast though, haven't we? We have. Yes. And we talked about beer. That was fun. Yeah. Do you want to talk about you at all? Your political no, beliefs? No? Not really, no. So your business. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about today on the In For A Penny podcast? I wanted to talk today about the difference between price and value because something irked me today. and Ooh, I don't irked you. Actually, I don't know if you've been following this as an Arsenal fan. They've been following this Ukrainian starlet. Merdrick or something. Merdrick, whose surname I struggle to pronounce. But it turns out it's not going to matter now because... Um, Arsenal's rivals Chelsea have come in with a 100 million euro bid that I think has been agreed by. Yeah, I just heard that within the last hour or so. Yes. So essentially, for weeks, um, Arsenal Twitter and social media have been obsessed that we're signing this player and he's been putting hits up on Instagram, well, posts on Instagram that people have been interpreting that he wants to sign. And then the issue has been Arsenal don't want to meet this very high price that Shakhtar Donetsk have set for him. Yeah. Quite reportedly agreeing terms. Um, so there were rumours that that was all going to be sorted out, but now Chelsea have come in and said, oh, we'll pay whatever money or this high price and um, look set to sign him. This could all change by the time this podcast comes out, but it looks like it won't. They've parked their tanks on the Highbury pitch and are firing uh, notes out of the cannons, as David Dean was reported to have said about 20 years ago. Yes. So it made me think about the difference between price and value because... Um, Arsenal's um, transfer strategy seems to be they won't sign anyone at any price. They want to, someone to actually have value, so they worry about what they'll actually add to the team and um, potentially, I guess, their sell-on value as well. So as a financial side and the um, team side, the kind of football side. Yeah. There's, always, there's a lot of these other teams who have Russian oligarch, well, no, they're not Russian-owned anymore, are they? But who have the kind of big billionaires that own them when money is no object, they'll just throw cash at anything. Okay. So I think about in our daily lives where those questions come in to where you should think about how much you pay and whether value is more important and when you should pay more and when you should consider paying less. Nice. Okay. So because we're a financial podcast, we should probably talk about money. Money, so money, money. We start because so I think let's start with something basic. So let's start with cars. Because you can um, 
a car essentially will get you from A to B, but then you can have lots of different cars. You can have uh, an old banger that you get from a secondhand dealer. No way to talk about my wife. <laughs> for a few thousand pounds, probably. Or you can get a high-end BMW or, I don't know, a Ferrari or Lamborghini for double, sometimes even triple figures if you're absolutely crazy. So why do you think people, why, why doesn't everyone just, if all you need a car for is to get from A to B, why don't people just buy the cheaper cars? Before I answer that, I think it's worth telling you that I have um, lots of quotes on my computer desktop. Okay. Um, by desktop, I mean like the background as opposed to like a post-it note on the on the desktop. Yeah. And one of them I have on there is the following. Price is what you pay. Yeah. Value is what you get. I'll say okay. that again because I think it's quite a good one. Price mm-hmm. is what you pay value is what you get i'm not sure who said it originally i think it might have actually been from ben graham so he's a value investor isn't he and he looks at he looks at stop set not weren't necessarily the top performers but could have been cheap or worth paying for because they provide a good service or a reliable kind of a brands that you staple brands well if you bring it if you bring it back then to your car thing so why do people pay different amounts for cars or sort of why would what someone buy one car one person buy another is that is that the question yeah i think it's down to the perceived value that one gets from the car so the price you pay let's say you and i both buy the same car i know you've got a very snazzy audi convertible with Powered steering, electric windows, um, well, I can't, yeah, I've got to use indicators. My right. Yeah, Indica- don't all cars have indicators? You've got, I think, you've got a, a three CD changer FMA radio. <laughs> but I think so. Let's say we both had the same car. The price we would pay for the car, assuming it's just a standard thing, is the same. But the the value that we get from it will be different. So I'm not really a car person I, I drive a car but i don't get excited by cars so the yeah. value i get from a car is probably much lower than the value you get from a car you get in your car and you drive around and you f- and I'm, I'm not saying this in a rude way but uh, you feel like the bee's knees you're in your snazzy car it makes you feel good yeah yeah and th- in, in a good way so th- that's the value you get from your car it gives yeah. you like emotional reward for me mainly it gets me from a to B. But how often do you buy a new car? In my life, in my life, or is it It's My Life? Anyway, that's going to come out a few times tonight. I have purchased or owned, I think, four cars. That's in over 20 years of driving. Yeah. One car I owned for 10 years. My current car I've had for about five years, and I'll keep it until there's no longer a reason to. What about you? So when I... First, I learned to drive. First pass, I got. A, I had my first car was an old banger. It was a Fiat Uno, and for me, the driver was price. It was a cheap car, and it got me. When you the driver? Well, now I had to drive the key. Tra- yeah, that's good. Yeah, funny. Um, good on a Saturday night. Key factor, yes, was the price. So it was cheap, and um, it had a choke. Actually, talking of chokes, those were the days, and 
got me to be, for me to be a man as I got older and a bit more Muller, then I... Was that a bit more German? A bit more, bit more money. <laughs> okay. Muller? Uh, yeah. Not Mula. good, Muller. I can't remember what I had the next one. Also, then I remember getting married and we started sharing cars. So we had a... How many, how many you guys got? So well, between us, we have two. You've oh, I see. Two, yeah. When you said sharing cars, I thought you <laughs> it's hundreds right. of them. So we've gone through a Peugeot 3007, which probably was more bought on price. Is that the one with the, the doors open sideways? Automatic doors that open outwards. Yeah, for like disabled um, people. Like a van, yeah. No offence to disabled people who obviously <laughs> need transport. <laughs> um, and then we went from there to a C-Max because we had kids and needed to fit people in the back and then to a um, Mitsubishi Outlander. There may be one in between. But from there, I think we have... Um, Interesting story, Mark. Where are you going with this? Each time we graduated to more expensive and some would say higher-end cars, okay. which is my point, is we've probably gone more for, um, well, it's probably a combination of price and value. Okay. So my point is, why didn't we just always go for the cheapest if, it, if all we need is a car to get us from A to B? Because life yeah. is not necessarily about that. And money is a story we tell ourselves okay. we tell ourselves a story to justify why we do or don't do things so for some people a car really is just a means to an end so for me yes i said it gets me from a to b but that doesn't mean i buy the cheapest thing out there so for some people it really is just a means to an end and they will buy whatever the cheapest thing is because they don't care about any of the other bits that go around it. Yeah. Um, for someone else, the car is the really important for them, whether it's status thing, comfort, it's their office, whatever it may be. And so they are happy to pay more for their car, whether that be hundreds of thousands or, or what. Whereas someone else might... Um, want to spend a lot of money on food like going to restaurants and, and getting the best food and and the top wines and another person might be happy going to the local italian or the local curry house i'm, I'm for the purpose of this conversation i'm ignoring i'm not ignoring but i'm assuming that there's a basic level of income there i'm not sort of thinking talking about it like from the breadline um so they that they value the food other people spend a lot of money on holidays because that's what they value or or kids education so it's the story we tell ourselves and, and how we justify it to ourselves but i guess yeah and i guess with taking a personal finance angle on it with a car an older model you may have to pay more in tax and there may be more repairs so over the long run that could end up costing you more than you think anyway yeah, cheap is expensive and expensive is cheap. So let's um, talk about other aspects. So I write a lot about a lot about property at the moment, about estate agents. And this is one of the things that comes up when you're selling your home. Do you use a high street agent where you pay um, commission on the sale of your home? Or one of the kind of emerging trends in recent years has been online agents where you pay up front essentially for a brand to list your property on all the portals such as right move and then you've got to do a lot of the work yourself such as viewings and dealing with negotiations and stuff so on the one hand there you've got high street estate agents who charge commission and will say it may 
be a higher price, but you get more value because we're on your side and we're negotiating and finding buyers for you. Or you've got online agents where it's cheap, but you'll probably get more left over for your onward purchase because the commission won't be as high. I very rarely hear people say that they thought their estate agent was good value. I mean, let's say a typical agent maybe is charged is what one percent of the property. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Let's say the property is seven hundred and fifty grand, so that's seventy five thousand pounds that the agent charges. Whether or not that's the right amount they should be paid, I'm not in that enough to to confirm. But uh, from people from from listening to people that have sold houses, they very rarely think the work the agent has done has justified a £75,000. Okay. But hasn't that agent come around, in some cases, they would have taken photos on a professional camera, they would have uploaded it to Rightmove, done a professional floor plan, and then put together an energy performance certificate, so they would have hired someone to come around and check how efficient your home is. Well, if we're um, breaking that down, then no, that's probably worth like a grand or something to pay for an energy performance certificate, a floor plan, and some pictures. That's probably a £1,000. For a professional photographer? I think so, of your of your home. It's not 75000 I think the yeah. only way... I'm not picking on agents here because I haven't used one for a while, but the only way I think you can justify that 75000 is if you have got... If you have arranged a sell that the seller otherwise wouldn't have been able to do yeah i can't see how a listing the work that's involved in a listing is not worth seventy five thousand pounds but yeah but I, mean, I think agents would say they it's not just a listing they do help with the finding buyers and negotiations and getting it through but correct yeah, at the same time they, are, they do come quite low in the trust indexes so there obviously is a, a service issue there yeah, but yeah, I guess compare it, if you're going to compare it though to is it better to pay up front with an online agent where it's cheaper? There was no guarantee that you're going to get a sale, and you may not have someone to help you with negotiations. I think it all depends on the individual. As what's right for one person might not be right for someone else. If your house is really popular and you're going to have loads of offers, then you might as well go for the online agent thing and whatever it's called the portal and, and just pay a small amount if you're for whatever reason it's going to be very hard to sell a property then use an agent and that and then they can justify their fees okay does that work for you uh, yeah it's a view what about when it comes to financial advice i know you're going to have a bias here towards saying it's worth paying for but where, well, where, where's the line between price and value how, how do you kind of yeah, I, I always try to not give a biased answer um and the same thing with financial advice price is what you pay value is what you get so for different people at different stages in their life they're going to get different value from a financial advisor i often um term term potential clients away because i don't think they're at a stage in their life or their finances where they should be paying for financial advice, uh, nor that I can add enough value to them. Yeah, so what's the, who would be the typical person who you turn away? Um, I wouldn't say it's a typical person, but an example recently, youngster who hasn't got any assets, 
um, wants to start putting away £50 a month into a some sort of investment vehicle. Now, if they if they are only putting away fifty pounds a month, that's six hundred pounds a year. Yeah, they, they should not be paying for financial advice. They haven't got enough money to be paying for financial advice on the paying side of it. And there's probably not enough value I can add to someone at that point. So that's an example. On, on the flip side of it, I would say the people we do work with get enormous value from what from what we do and don't pay a lot for that. A little story. Um, from recently, I unfortunately got a call over Christmas when I was off that a lovely lady who I had helped with some finances a few years ago had passed away. So this woman came to me. I can't remember how she found me. I think she was local and, and just found us. She had some pensions she wanted some advice on. She wanted to access some money, sort her life out. And we did a bit of work and um, put everything in place for her. It was a, a transactional bit of work, which we don't normally do, but we did it for this uh, for this lady. And she was just a really nice woman in her 60s. She used to pop into the office every so often, just turn up randomly because she was local with um, some vegetable samosas that she cooked for us. And some cupcakes. She was just like a nice lady. She got immen- immense value from what we did for her. Um, so did you, from a standpoint? Yeah, with the samosas, it was fantastic. Yeah. They didn't last long in the office. I tell you, they got they got eaten very quickly. Um, anyway, I was chatting to the daughter last week, who said to me, and I can't remember the exact words. I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically told me how much her mum used to talk about me, how much she used to value me and and, and speak highly of, of me and the work that we did, that we were the only ones that um, ever cared about her, that helped her financially. Everyone in her life used to take advantage of her financially. Um, and after meeting with me and following my advice, she just felt so much happier financially. Now, that's just a story that comes to mind because she's passed away, but you can't really put a price on the value that she got from it. She did pay a very reasonable amount. I can't remember what it was, but the, the psychological and emotional value, forget the financial side of it, but the psychological emotional value she got from that was immense. And that her daughter got as well. That's an argument you can make because then someone might look at the financial advice or wealth management section and say, why should I pay for an advisor when I could use a robo platform and just set up my own portfolio that's all, yeah, automated and I pay a low fee? What, it what depends do I what you're control? doing. So if if your financial advisor, your financial planner, is just solely picking funds for you, then you are not getting any value whatsoever. Even if they're sending you these glossy reports once a quarter or once a month, or whatever, that, there's no value in that. Because like you said, you can just go online and um, pick funds. Yes, you would hope that the financial advisor would do a better job than just the computer. But for the price that they will charge you, the advisor, you're probably not getting good value. So I, I agree with you on that. Are there any examples where you think it's worth, it's worth paying more for something? When you say paying more, 
you probably need to give me a bit more specifics because yes, there are always times when it's worth paying more. Nothing springs to mind. Yeah, let's. Well, if we keep it to finance, what about your mortgage? I guess sometimes it may be worth overpaying on your mortgage. It's not. I guess it's. Yeah, you're not really paying more though, are you? You're you're clearing debt, so I'm not sure that's uh, right. Because, but on the mortgage side, when is it worth paying more? Well, sometimes it might be worth paying a higher interest rate to benefit from a mortgage with no early repayment charges, as an example. Or you might pay slightly more on your mortgage to benefit from an offset account. So there are there are times when it is worth paying more insurance is protection. So we're I'm arranging some critical illness cover for someone at the moment. And we looked at the the indicative quotes for the various policies. And we've agreed that we're going to go for a policy with a higher premium because the conditions covered and the definitions are better. So it should be a better policy. So it's an example of paying more for a financial product. Should we bring it back to football for the final thing? Go on, because you love a bit of football. What's the benefit of paying for a football season ticket over just a sports subscription or to go and watch it in a pub? Why do you think people are, why do people go to watch? And is that an example of why it's good to pay more? Because we pay a fortune. Yeah, but I don't think you're comparing like for like. You're you paying I like to go to football. So you and I had a good road trip during the week. Yeah. to Oxford United. Yes. Three stands and a camper van was the chant because uh, yeah. there's only three stands and people were standing on a camper van behind the, the, the goal with no stand. Yeah. Um, so I like, I'm happy to pay because I like going to a football match. I like the excitement of the live entertainment, sitting in the stands, having a laugh, singing a song, not knowing what's going to happen. I also like watching football on television, but it's a different experience. But I don't think you can say, you know, you're prepared to pay more for it. You could say, why would someone pay for more for BT Sport than Sky or something like that, which is a bit more yeah. of a comparison. I guess, yeah, and you do get more value, I guess, from going to the match itself. Why are you well, prepared to pay more for a Mac computer than a PC? I just like the way the map works. I think it works better. It's more, it feels more intuitive. I like the features. Paying for the brand, aren't you? Yeah, it's the brand, yes. Yeah, because if you have an Apple, you're cool. You're creative. Yeah, that's my aim. Is it yeah. working? No. Am I? No. Because <laughs> you haven't gone all out. You haven't got the Apple phone, do you? No. No, you're half, like you've got one foot in, one foot out. I've yeah, got I think a... Yeah, be a slave to iTunes. I'm, I'm Windows. You know, I've yeah. got a PC. I'm I'm a bit boring, but that's me. You know, I'm an ex accountant. <laughs> I don't know what the voice is. Yeah, very good. And I mean, the last thing we say is this podcast is absolutely free, and you get lots of value. Well, there you go. Yeah, and yeah. there are probably other uh, media of getting information and advice that, that people yeah. will pay for, and it's just up to the individual. Yeah. Oh, is that all we got time for? I think so. Because I know you yeah. like saying that. I'm glad you jumped in there. (laughs) Please remember, anything discussed in this episode shouldn't be taken as financial advice. But if you do need support, feel free to contact us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mark Shoffman and Josh at Josh Gersler.
We hope you've enjoyed the show. Please leave us a review on your podcasting app that helps people find us and lets us know you're enjoying what you hear. So thank you for being in for a penny. <laughs> <laughs>